The Founders Podcast. Listen to the stories of how everyday extraordinary people start amazing businesses. Hear how they overcome the odds and find success in the entrepreneurial world. The up and down, the good and the bad, and everything in between. And now, your hosts, Jordan Hansen and Brandon Minard. Good day and uh, happy podcasting listening to everybody joining us on the Founders Podcast. My name is Brandon Minard, and we're broadcasting live from the United Commercial Insurance Studio. I'm here with an additional co-host, actually two additional co-hosts today uh, for this mini pod episode, but my normal co-host, Jordan Hansen. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How great. about you? Good. So to introduce our other two I guess co-hosts for today's episode, we have a good buddy of ours, Matt Lamb. His, uh, we've known him our whole life. Pretty much, yeah. Since first grade or so. Before, and yeah, I've known Matt since before our school, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, had a lot of experience. You know, Matt and I and Jordan talk about podcasts all the time. But Matt, welcome to your first Founders Pod edition. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Happy to be here. This is awesome. That's exciting. And then for the topic we're discussing, we we felt like we needed to bring in some big guns, right? Some like heavy lifters in the industry. And so someone who came highly recommended was, I think I've met this person in the past, but Rob Fox is on with us remote in Utah, getting ready for Thanksgiving. But Rob, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to be here. I'm excited for the conversation. Awesome. Okay. So wait, before um, we should give some background on our guest, some of his credibility, Rob, um, last week we were, the FTX thing was happening. Um, I mean, it's been happening for a couple of weeks, but Brandon and I were talking about it and we're like, we really need to talk about this. I think it's kind of crazy what's happening. And so I went on LinkedIn and I was like, I'm just going to find anyone that's like remotely qualified in crypto. And I looked through several different people. And the number one I found that looked the most impressive was actually you. This is weird. I didn't know you at all. And I was like, Hey, and I sent you an email. I said, Hey, I want to have you on the podcast. Rob Fox. Rob Fox. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get a response back, but that's okay. My feelings aren't hurt. But then I came in today <laughs> and, and Brandon's like, Hey, we're going to have Rob Fox on. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <This is> so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's funny. yeah, you look like you're credible from your LinkedIn profile at least. So Rob, what is your background in crypto? So what's funny is I, I felt like I was kind of late to the game back in about early 2019, late, late 2018. It was it was just after a little bit after the 2018 crash, and I read a, a book called The Bitcoin Billionaires that talked about the Winklevoss's foray into Bitcoin, and it just sucked me down the rabbit hole. I wasn't a, I wasn't a huge stock market investor, you know. Finance really didn't interest me. I was I was uh, working with my dad in the office furniture business, and something just just kind of hit me when I learned about. Bitcoin that was just different and and then you know simultaneously my cousin who had had about 13 years in the gold and silver industry being a broker in Los Angeles uh, he discovered Bitcoin in 2017 um, invested in it made a decent amount of money and then he's like you know hey this is this growth is pretty incredible so he he basically cashes out his 401k and invests in Bitcoin and uh, made a ton of money all the way up to the to the bust of 2018. In about about two weeks, 
uh, before the, the, the actual top, he diversified half of his portfolio into um, into altcoins. And then the, the blow off top in 2018 happened. He lost half his portfolio. And he's like, I got to figure this technical analysis stuff up. And so he started doing that, uh, you know, diving into the charts, um, you know, getting trained by a guy that's trained a lot of the Wall Street traders and, um, you know, applying what he was learning to his personal portfolio, started really crushing it. And then said, you know, I'm going to start, I'm going to start my own company here, started managing people's money. And fast forward to today, um, I mean, we're still relatively small uh, Bitcoin advisors. We're not, you know, hedge fund level, but he manages under uh, just, just shy of 50 million in assets and trades it every day. And so as he recruited me and, you know, I invested in Bitcoin, um, you know, over the course of a year, year and a half. And then, and then I, the timing was right. It was, it was after COVID and it was like, Hey, if I'm going to make this transition with a big family, now's the time. And, you know, here I am two years later, uh, just a, a wily season bet. So sorry for the long, the, the long intro, but, uh, now you kind of know where, where I'm coming from. Oh, perfect. So you're no longer with the furniture business. Is that right? No longer with the furniture business. Yeah. Okay. So this will be, so you'll be a perfect guest for us then. So this will, this will work really well. Um, question for everybody here. Do you watch Netflix? Yes. Ever. Do you watch? Yeah, occasionally. Yeah. Okay. I watched a Netflix series. I don't know if it was a movie or if it was a series. I think it was a movie. Uh, Netflix, The Crypto King. I saw it. Have you ever? Did I saw you it. you yeah. saw the whole thing? Okay, check this out. So I'm going to go into a story here. Okay. End of, so, so this is a good time because Rob got into this at end of 2018 or, or, or no. Rob learned about Bitcoin or started his Bitcoin journey. 2018. Okay. We're going into the crypto king, Gerald Cotton. Have you ever heard that name? I've not. You know, okay. You have? Ger well, Gerald Cotton was the owner of Quadriga CX, the Canadian cryptocurrency exchange, the largest Canadian cryptocurrency exchange. Okay. Started it early 2000 teens. Okay. Grew, grew substantially. <clears throat> Fast forward, 2018, December 2018, Gerald Cotton and his, I believe, young wife fly to India, and listen to this, Gerald passes away with a flare-up of Crohn's disease. Ouch. So, kind of interesting, kind of interesting, and if you watch the movie, and I don't want to, like, spoil it, but I will, <laughs> a little bit of doubt as to whether or not he passed away. Yeah, because oh, people couldn't find mystery there. the yeah. hospital, the records of his death, where he was buried, and it was just something to where his wife said, "Hey, he passed away." So he just disappeared. You're saying, possibly, potentially, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. right? Okay. And guess what else disappeared at the time? Okay, some cryptocurrency <laughs> shares of the of the investors that were involved in Quadriga CX. So Quadriga CX collapsed. Had a total collapse, lost everything, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of crypto gone at the same time that Gerald Cotton disappeared or died, whichever one, right? Now, continue that, right, to the next person to grab the torch, Sam Bankman-Fried. 
December, no, not December, excuse me, sometime in 2018 started a small company called FTX out of the Bahamas, okay? And that's where it brings us to current events because Sam started FTX, a crypto exchange in the Bahamas, had a USA affiliate, FTX US, right? So if you if you were involved in investing in FTX in, in the United States, you had to use their USA or US affiliate, FTX US, but the rise and I guess subsequent fall of FTX has been pretty incredible. At one point, valued uh, roughly of thirty-three billion dollars. Yes, right. A lot. With with the backing of celebrities like Shaquille O'Neal, Steph Curry, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Purchased Tom Brady. A, I mean, they have uh, stadiums. I yeah, think they have Miami uh, Heat. Yeah, got the naming rights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they had the field of uh, the Cal. Field. I mean, they had they had a lot of sporting. Events, yeah, their right? commercials are everywhere. Yeah. You know, their Larry David was they had a Super Bowl uh-huh. commercial with Larry David. That's right, and so. FTX, I wasn't, I'm not, I'm still not 100% sure. And I know, Rob, you'll probably know a lot more about it, but I don't exactly understand. I, I've read an, a number of things about it. I don't exactly understand how it collapsed. But to give you a little bit of the background, you know, Sam, he, he's, he's said a number of things. And I guess there's articles about his wife that sort of drove some of the poor decision making, but based on its business decisions and different structures, according to the bankruptcy filing, FTX, which was once valued at $32 billion, has $8 billion of liabilities that it cannot pay and it may have up to as many as 1 million unique creditors. And so I'm assuming a lot of the downfall had to deal with the downfall of cryptocurrency, but it's a very interesting story. I mean, it's thirty-two billion. You say it's gone, but you—it was gone like in like a few days, right? It was like from thirty-two billion to zero, right? In like less than a week. Anyone really fast? Correct me, really fast, really quick. right? It was a few things happened, and it was over. I think that's what's interesting about crypto, and 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 my my experience with crypto is limited, right? So Rob is Rob is really invested, and I know you guys are Jordan and Matt. You guys invest a little bit in it, but. You know, I saw the whole growth from afar, right? Where Bitcoin went from, you know, however many dollars per Bitcoin to $60,000 per one Bitcoin and, and then up and down and up and down and up and down. And then the different alternative coins like Dogecoin or Shiba or Loopring or whatever the ones that are on there. Um, so... So what I did was, you know, this is my this is my experience with investing. Rob, you're gonna laugh and basically hang up here pretty soon. <laughs> but so I, I I joined Coinbase and saw everybody was talking about all the different coins on on the exchanges, the various exchanges out there, and how they're blown up and doing different things. And I was tired of losing out <laughs> on it. So I said, okay, you know, I went on and bought some Bitcoin, not very much, and Ethereum because. I Why guess, not? I guess Those people. Right. Okay, I yeah. mean, it's like FOMO investing, right? A little bit. Yeah. That well, so Bitcoin, I felt like was not as much FOMO investing because I felt like okay, this this could be a legitimate portion of my retire or of my investing strategy, right? But then I was looking at all of the different alternative coins out there, and some of the ones that are out there that are, are hilarious, right? 
And I just said, okay, I'm going to take $1,500. I'm going to put $100 into 15 different altcoins and see what happens. Like, whatever happens, I don't even know what these are. Some of them had some very funny names, so I'm like, I'm buying that. That's happening. Um, and I and I just sat there. And, and for a while in 2021, it was growing quite a bit. Yeah, just, like a year ago, it was really hot. Yeah. Like exactly a year from now. And it, yeah, I think it was exactly yeah, like in November. November. The peak yeah, kind of the peak, yep. yeah. So anyway, so um, then it started to tank. But luckily, right before it tanked, I bought a lot of uh, Shiba Inu. <laughs> I bought like a lot of Shiba Inu because it had just finished like an 8,000% increase in like this two months. This is not the dog, by the way, for people that aren't familiar. The coin, the, the coin, crypto right. coin. Not the dog, correct. And I thought, okay, why not? Why not? Just go crazy. And subsequently lost almost every single dollar I put into it. Right? Yes. So you didn't seek Rob's advice in this. I didn't call Rob. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. But I, what I think is just interesting <laughs> about crypto is is how, you know, and I think what the scary part as a person that doesn't know as much about it is how quickly the value can change based on, perception or news or you know and and it's the same way with the stock market right it's just more seasoned right the stock market is like more seasoned and so i don't think it's as quite as vulnerable to you know if someone sees ford drop crazily you're like okay well ford's probably going to be pretty stable you know they'll work it out eventually they'll bail them out (laughs) 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 so uh, it's a little more confidence there versus like shiba inu i mean the name itself you're like okay yeah i want to hear what rob thinks about like so he's, you're managing, you said up to 15 million, Rob? 50. I thought it was 50? Five zero. About, about just under, just shy of 50. Just 50, shy of 50 five zero. Is what, my, is what my cousin, you know, my cousin's probably trading, you know, okay. one to $5 million in Bitcoin a day. So he's actually taught me a ton. And it's, I mean, this is all just juicy topics that I, that I love to talk about. Yeah. So what, Cause I wasn't first in technical analysis, but I think you zoom out to the macro and what's interesting is we do Zoom calls with our with our with our clients, and he'll kind of do kind of his market outlook and his thesis of what's going on. And so what's interesting is Bitcoin and Ethereum trade very te- technically according to the kind of the principles of technical analysis because there's tons of liquidity. Um, there's a lot of algorithms and bots and institutional people that trade in those spaces. And so so what he does is he starts out and he says okay, you know, the strength of the dollar. And again, you kind of have to reanalyze your thesis as the, as the asset class matures, but he looks at the strength of the dollar and as the strength of the dollar starts to get stronger against other currencies, risk assets kind of inversely go the other way. And then when the dollar, the strength of the dollar goes down, risk assets, you know, the stock market, crypto tend to trend, tend to trend up. Right. Um, and then he looks at, you know, the, the S and P crypto is very tethered to the S and P because people don't, they're not looking at Bitcoin. Like it's a, you know, the best savings technology that's ever been invented. You know, it's only 13 years old. What 13 year old, do you know, that's not totally volatile and irrational. Um, and you know, it's, it's got a, you know, under a, trillion dollar market cap you know the stock market has about 40 trillion in, in market cap and so you know 
big, big institutional players can really, you know, move it one way and another way and, and play their games because when they trick the market, that's how they make their money, right? They, they make money when the retail retail investors and traders uh, lose, lose money. And so it's that game of, you know, pump fake one way and then go the other way. And you, you know, it's kind of that cat and mouse game um, from, from the kind of like that trading aspect. So then he goes from the, from, from, from equities, he goes into, uh, um, you know, like the, the Bitcoin dominance, um, you know, how is Bitcoin doing to the rest of cryptocurrency, right? So when Bitcoin trends up and then it kind of consolidates and, and goes flat uh, and then has some stability then that's when the altcoin season kicks in and then the altcoins will typically do a, a you know multitude of wh- wherever the direction of bitcoin goes so as goes bitcoin as goes the altcoin typically right there's always one-offs but in a general sense if that's kind of what happens um and then uh does that kind of make sense? Yeah, that yeah. makes yeah, that makes sense for sure. What are your thoughts on F- FTX? Were you guys involved in FTX at all? No, no, no. We had no exposure to that. Um, FTX was a huge player, right? I mean, I don't know what their the ranking of of market cap um, of of how much crypto they had on their exchange, but yeah, they had the FTX International, and it's what's kind of interesting. Similar, they, they were seemed like they were a smaller version of Binance. Binance is the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world. And they have their Binance International. They have their Binance USA. And likewise, uh, FTX had their, had their FTX International that was like, where they say it was located in Puerto Rico or, or the Bahamas or something yeah. like that. And so I think that that allows them to skate the regular, any type of regulatory, um, and so, you know, they, they, they do, uh, you know, you can short the market, you can trade on leverage, margin, um, everything that you could do uh, on Wall Street in the, with, with stocks, equities, you can do in crypto if it's outside of the jurisdiction of the USA. So that's kind of, that's why they do that. And so the FTX USA is more spot trading where you're, you're buying the dip and then you're selling, you're selling at the peak and, and doing that kind of trading um if, if that kind of makes sense yeah what would what would happen and so what what would happen though like so how could so i don't know how ftx really fell but what would happen if binance fell so if binance fell man that that would i i think that just because cz i mean he's like one of the one of the titans in crypto um yeah that that would that would hurt that that would that that would really not be fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, in terms of, of narrative driven, and what's interesting is my my cousin says um, is, is he's trading. You know, sometimes there's like they, they call it buy the rumor, sell the news. Um, you know, the market makers they they make their their move, and you see it in the technicals. And then maybe a few days later, you see it on the news. And by the time it hits the news, the, the move is, you, you know, it's too late to capitalize on the opportunity. Um, and so he says that, but, but lately, so he says it's more about technicals versus the news. 
right? Um, but in, in this case, with because it's such a big game of, of FTX and basic free, he says that the news hacks has actually been driving more of the direction over the last couple of weeks, which I thought was interesting. So going from less technical to more uh, emotional market um, sentiment. Yes. So, I mean, I would say that that would probably be a maybe a three to five X impact of what the Sam Bateman freed if it was CD. Mm. It's just, wow. just my guess off the top of my head. Yeah, so I did a little research on, uh, you know, what happened, how the whole domino started to collapse. And you get Alameda Research, which I think is a... Uh, Not a subsidiary, but owned by... Yeah, but yeah. they're like a market maker type... For FTX. Group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was started by Sam uh, Bankman-Fried, and uh, they were basically insolvent. And FTX had created this... They have their own coin, right? The FTX coin. And so they're like, we will give you some FTX coin. And it had, you know, some value because it was trading. People were buying it. Um, and what I, you know, uh, the, the research that I've done, uh, somebody caught, someone leaked basically that Alameda was insolvent. Uh, and somehow this word got to the Binance guy. I forget his name, but he's yes. like, yeah. he owns yeah, a bunch of FTX coin. And he's like, mm, I'm going to sell a bunch of this. 20 million. Or, yeah. Dumped a yeah, bunch. Their, their token was called F- FTT, but yeah. FTT, the, the sorry. FTT. Yes, yes. FTT. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what it was? Yeah. So what if he would have kept that? Well, it would have been worth zero. Well, but you think that, know, that but you're saying would it have crashed? Yeah. I think just the rumor of him saying he's going to sell it. Yeah. That's what really started it. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. And you. then the value just tanks because they're like, well, why is he dumping it? Right. Right. And then so, it was like a bank run. So he's like, you know, I can. Because they were, there was some rivalry going on between Sam and this guy. Yeah, didn't Binance look at buying FTX for a while? Well, only during this time. Only I, they said that possibly there's going to be mm-hmm. some purchase, like that they would save FTX. Yeah, they would buy them. Yeah, because FTX was known as kind of the a little bit of a savior in the crypto world because they would help out these you know companies that were going under, huh. and then it turned on that they needed help. And so Binance was going to look to save them. And they're like, mm, no, I'm not going to well, do Well, once that. they looked at the balance sheets, they right. saw, okay, well, you have a lot of negative money. So <laughs> this is not a good deal. I'm buying that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of negative money okay. and poor record keeping. Okay, right. check this out. Okay, so FTX, that type of situation would be scary to be involved in, right? But how about this? How about this? How about you, you translate that to the, the traditional... Uh, monetary exchanges, the dollar and the whatever. And let's say China dumps all of our, you Ooh, know, yeah. dollars, right? And it, and if you're sitting there taking pop shots at crypto saying, oh, you know, that's just like a, a joke currency. Like what if, what if, you know, we, let's just project out American fiscal policy continues to kind of go down the path of just giving, you know, printing more and more and more and more money and the value of the dollar can you know, drops for whatever reason. And then similar to what um, happened to FTX, people say, oh, well, what if we just dumped and China or the biggest holders of dollars Mm -hmm. dumps all of it back into the money for nothing. Yeah, they're like, we we don't trust this anymore. We're going to get rid of it. Yeah, and then then what would happen to the dollar, right? Like what would happen to our foundation? I mean, we just print more, Brandon. (laughs) Okay, there you go. I just kidding. So why didn't FTX do that? (laughs) We're going (laughs) to issue more FTT. No, I think they would have. (laughs) Yeah. 
Right. The value obviously would drop. Um, I think it's all confidence, right? And I think China would see... The problem is I think that would hurt China because the global economy would just get wrecked, right? There, there would have to be an, an outside reason why they would want to do that. That's right. That's, there would have to be an outside reason. But it's what, not... What's the, what's the, what's the famous Ray Dalio quote? He says that in a, you know, a big heaping pile of a garbage, uh, the dollar is the least stinky garbage. There we go. Yeah, right, right there. Mm-hmm. So that's what's interesting is that, you know, the U.S. being the, we, we have, and our politicians have the benefit, our greatest export of the United States isn't, we're not an industrial power like we were, you know, pre-World War II era, we're, we're now a financialized economy, right? So the same economy that, that when Paul Volcker jacked up the rates and was able to curb inflation, we were much heavily um, self-sufficient in terms of manufacturing and all that. Now we've outsourced all that to other countries. And so that's what's kind of interesting too, is that it's not the same economy, right? So, I mean, they're jacking rates up by, you know, 0.75 or 0.5 and everyone's like, Ooh, you know, and it's supposed to have this big effect on inflation. Well, you know, there's, we, we can dive into this theory, but it's, it's, it's a very interesting one that it's actually, what the Fed is doing, it's more of a currency war. Um, and there's a guy on Bitcoin Twitter that's just been surging in terms of his, like, you know, there's a total meritocracy of ideas and a, and a good idea shared within the Bitcoin community just goes viral and it goes right to the top. People share it. And, and that's this guy's theory. Um, his name's Tom Luongo, but fascinating about what's, what's going on globally, right? You know, China... Russia, they're trying to de-dollarize, you know, a lot of these countries, um, you know, they want to become more independent. I mean, we, we basically kicked Russia out of their treasury reserves at the central bank, you know, $600 billion. And, you know, that seems like a good idea until you're teaching other countries that their money's not safe completely in the United States, right? I mean, in a, in a perfectly ideal world, currency should be neutral, um, regardless of your politics. Um, and, uh, but yeah, you, you know, the, pur- <laughs> the purchasing power of the dollar is, is key, right? Cause they've, they printed on well, that, that going back to your initial question about kind of our you know view on the market is, you know, why did, why did crypto go up? Why, why did the stock market go up after COVID? Cause they injected 40% of the money supply. They printed 40% of the entire money supply and flooded it into the, the global market. And so what happens is risk assets, when people are cash flush, you know, they tend to be a little more risky. And so, yeah, you're going to go for the big gains in crypto. You're going to, you know, pump money into the stock market. Um, and so risk assets tend to see, and then, you know, about a year ago, Chairman Powell kind of, he kind of, uh, you know, goes at odds with the European central banks that, the, the the World Economic Forum, and he, you know, hey, we're not down with the, you know, the crazy green energy stuff. Um, I, you know, my, 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 my mandate is to control inflation, and I, you know, I work for the United States. And so he starts slowly ratcheting up rates, sucking liquidity out of the market. And so ever since then, that's when crypto and the stock market started to kind of nosedive a little bit. So I, I does that kind of resonate with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we we all saw the amount of cash that 
uh, that people had during 2000, end of 2020, all of 2021, and how it was, I mean, everything was surging, stock market and exchanges on crypto and everything, everything, and then sort of stopped. And so it makes sense why, why that pivot point in November when, you know, I guess U.S. finance um, plan started making a change that, that it started to slow down. I wish that guy would have texted me that he would have yeah. done that. That would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> I would have. So and it makes sense though, doesn't it? Cause like if you're a business and you know, interest rates, the, the, the easier the money is to you and you, the cheaper that you can, you can obtain capital, then, you know, that's that whole like debt cycle that Ray Dalio talks about, right? The credit and debt, you know, there's cycles that are eight year cycles, you know, where businesses are, you know, they're, they're taking out capital, and then, and you know, there's a big surge in growth, and then you got to pay the capital back, and then it dips, and then, and then that whole cycle goes, and then every eight years there's a correction, and then every eighty years there's a big massive correction or like a depression. Well, don't say that word. I'm not, I'm not super interested in that one. But question, question to you <laughs> no, guys. No, no, I know. Question to you guys on this. Okay, let's say next month, or let's say January 2023. United States comes out and says, Hey, everybody, we are now a digital currency. Like the US dollar digital, US digital dollar, UD, U, USDD. Nice. Good. USD. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the new thing. That's the new thing. Would that compete with crypto? So, one thing I like about crypto is it does separate itself out a little bit. So, if it can, cons- if it can survive the ups and downs and, you know, stand the test of time. I would feel a little, I guess, safer in a bit in a cryptocurrency in a Bitcoin than if I don't like the administration in power in America or China or Russia or some of these big players. And so taking your assets out of some political structure that you don't trust as much and put it in into a crypto that's more decentralized is attractive to me, right? But it's all about adoption. And who's using that, right? Like El Salvador, I believe, is the one that uses Bitcoin in transactional processes because, and, and you know what? I think way more South American countries that experience incredible, unstoppable rolling inflation should offer a separate, you know, currency that is less tied to specific countries, right? And so one that 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 is what's interesting to me. But if the United States goes to a digital currency, and competes with Bitcoin, that may make it more more difficult for it to survive, I guess. Right. And and that's what I think uh, something that happened interesting in Canada with the, remember the truckers that were protesting? Right. Um, right. So they were protesting oh, yeah. there, and I think that's a viable protest. Um, and they froze all of their assets because they had it's control. Cr- it's that's crazy. crazy. <laughs> that's terrifying because it now says, okay, if the administration does something you don't like, you can't protest. Because if you protest, they could freeze your assets, yeah. and now you can't feed your family. And that is a, that's a terrifying um, aspect to that. So I understand what you're saying about yeah. something decentralized. Some, you have some way to still purchase items and live without being dependent upon the whims, maybe. You now, ideally, your government isn't corrupt, right? But if you get to a point where you can't trust them, then you feel very uncomfortable with my money is now in their control when they want to. Yeah. And that's the... The argument of crypto. Um, so FTX was not a decentralized exchange. It was centralized. And so 
um, one of the podcasts I was listening to was saying, you know, this isn't a blow to crypto. Uh, this is kind of more in favor of it because the idea of crypto being decentralized is still there. And when it is centralized, that's when things go wrong. And that's what happened with FTX mm-hmm. is like, you know. Right. The but the problem is it's confidence of what the blow is, right? Mm-hmm. I think the concept of crypto itself is not any, no, nothing different. But the problem is, is my mom more likely or less likely to have a crypto now? Well, okay. Can She's we going to be more scared, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. I does, think she, does she pay attention to the news that way? I mean, let's say someone that's on the fringe, okay. they're aware of FTX. If they're kind of thinking, they're like, okay, maybe I'll hold off. S- centralized basically just means an organization is pulling the, the threads on what to do with the currency, right? And, and decentralized means the market does that. Every no one person pulls the threads. There's on more transparency. That's right. Yeah, and there's no one that has like FTX would be, you know, they're one. Everyone logs in. Your money's there. So if they disappear, all that money disappears too. Mm-hmm. Where if it's if it's decentralized, then no one can. Uh, there, yeah, no one can do it. No one person. That's right. It's a little bit here, a little bit there, a little yeah. bit there, and no one has the control yeah. to just shut it down. Well, Rob would know if people are are if the collapse of FTX is. Hurt. disrupted yeah. new investors, right, Rob? Has, uh, has you seen like a big drop? In- uh, you know, I mean, I, I would say that, sure, maybe it sours some, but then then it creates the opportunity when the price goes down and then and then it surges again. Um, the people are, we all want, we all want the, you know, the, 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 the excitement that crypto brings with it, right? You see, see the you need to start pumping. And as much as I know better, I even am guilty of, you know, oh man, <laughs> it's pumping. Like, Fess you know, up, let me get Rob. on some of that. Fess right? Up. Rob's so, human. So, like, I'm, hands. You know, I'm not going to pretend, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like I'm, I'm even immune to that. But, like, you know, market psychology is, is really, is really interesting. Um, you know, they, they say that, like, the, the, the market makers, like, want to push, push, you know, when they're trying to hit, hit kind of a, a, a level. It's, it's that total consolidation where people are like, oh, man, I get rid of Bitcoin. I can't stand Bitcoin. You know, when everyone's negative and down on it, that's actually when you should be buying it because that's when you're close to, like, total capitulation where, you know, the sellers and buyers hit the critical level and then, okay, we've, 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 we've now hit a bottom and now, now is, is a good time to get back in and then ride up the next wave into the next bull market. Um, you brought up just the meat that I love talking about, which is the, which, which is that the thing about it, but you have to distinguish between Bitcoin and the rest of crypto. So the best way that I can describe it is like, you know, crypto, we, we don't know which crypto are going to survive. Um, you know, every cycle there's, there's ones that go by the wayside and there's some that rise from the ashes and, you know, there'll be the next Amazons, the next Googles, the next Facebooks of, you know, the web 3.0. Um, but, but Bitcoin is, is unique unto itself because it was the, it was the first of its kind. It's 100% decentralized, meaning that there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, of nodes all over the world. Um, it's, it's like a computer virus that can't be stopped. Right. And it's such a huge idea, the idea that you can store your value outside of the traditional finance, financial system and you can, through various different hardware wallets um, that are not kept even on exchanges, but, you know, you can, they say not your keys, not your Bitcoin, you can hold your crypto 
off the exchanges and you know in case there is an ftx situation where um you know the, the exchanges they they technically in their bylaws they own your crypto if if you keep your if you use the the exchange as your as your crypto wallet but that's the thing about bitcoin like in a in a you know situation like like a canada you had uh some members of the bitcoin community actually funneling funds to the canadian truckers outside of of the financial system because they were locked out of their bank account did they do that i didn't know they did that yeah yeah, yeah. In fact, there were two of the two big names that, that are key that I was I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, Greg Fox, he's a career risk trader, and then this Jeff uh, Booth, who wrote a book called The Price of Tomorrow, who I think are some of the biggest uh, have some of the most interesting ideas of, about Bitcoin. But yeah, they they ended up funneling a bunch of money to the to the truckers, that, so they were still able to, you know gain sustenance and, and still kind of get, get along out there with outside of the, the uh, Canadian currency. Well, so big Bitcoin's actually now's, now's the time Rob's probably doing some advertising. Like well, it's at 16,000 right now, isn't it? Well, yeah. My, my question. So one word answer from all of you, are you right now buying more, less, or the same amount of cryptocurrency? Brandon go. Wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, it's more or less I've, of the same. I it's would buy the, more Bitcoin. No, are you? No, not no. will you? Uh, same, same. I haven't changed it, Matt. Yeah, holding. Haven't done anything. Yeah, and it was that. Well, hold on, we should clarify. The yeah. same means zero. Same means I haven't invested any more into crypto. crypto. Okay, Matt. The same, same means zero. Yeah. yeah, haven't invested any more. Yeah. Okay, I am doing the same as them. I am still buying the same amount. Oh, you have you're on a plan where you're I'm just on the plan just buying. Now, yeah. Rob, are you buying more or less or the same right now? So I will be buying a lot more. Um, there we go. We, we our technical analysis. It's on sale, guys. It's still going. <laughs> yeah. Bitcoin's on sale right Six, now. Is it sixteen thousand right now? Yeah, it was within the last a few days ago. Yeah. What's Bitcoin going to be in ten years? Rob, give us that number. You have thirty seconds. Get your calculator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, what? Okay. What? What's, <laughs> go for it. Go. So okay, so okay, so the the, the most exciting <laughs> that, that I think is potential is so the market cap of gold is is close to ten trillion. So if you believe that Bitcoin is now the 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 most technical best store of value, so it has all the properties of gold except for its technology. Twenty four seven three sixty five. So if you believe that crypto Bitcoin is the net, is the be, is a better store of value. Than gold, then if crypto, if that plays out in 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 the world, then that would that would mean that Bitcoin's price would hit about five hundred thousand per Bitcoin if it had a ten trillion dollar market. Ooh, on sale! It's a big number. So the world that popped it up. That's yeah. a big number. Rob guaranteed it. Oh, all right, there this you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean at that point, certainly. Obviously, Bitcoin. I mean, anything above sixteen thousand, it's a good price. Uh, it it dropped from sixty. Yeah, it was the sixty. In fact, I was funny because I've been introduced to Bitcoin multiple times, two times. So the first time was by Matt Lamb, who is in this oh, room. Oh, yeah. And it was probably yeah. year, two thousand eight. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that's was, when it started. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And, oh, it was way. Before, it was after it started because he he was like, hey, joke, he joked around it was about a joke. buying and Bitcoin because it was three hundred dollars back then, three hundred dollars, and I was like. 
do you think we should buy this? Like jokingly, like yeah. we always joked around like, hey, I'll pay you in Bitcoin. I'll send you a Bitcoin yeah. for that. Well, if only. And then he said again, he talked talk to me about his like, hey, November, last November. Yeah. yeah. He was like, hey, I, Bitcoin, I mean, have you been looking at crypto? You should think about getting into it. Oh, and wah, I did. Wah, wah. And I still haven't made up the money I've lost. I'm, I'm not a financial advisor. I know. <laughs> did I give you that disclaimer? No, you didn't. So oh, yeah. you see my letter coming from my lawyer. You know, I have, so everybody has this person that they knew, right? Yeah. So my, my brother-in-law was an economics major at University of Idaho, and he did multiple reports, like school reports on crypto and Bitcoin specifically. And he was always the crazy guy in the corner, like, hey, Bitcoin's going to be big. And we're like, okay. Make yeah, fun like, of that guy, just idiot. like we did in 2008. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then literally millions of dollars later, yeah, you know, he uh, sold it all. <laughs> Moved to Nevada because he was in California, didn't want to pay income tax on it, um, and did really well. Yeah, did really well. Yeah, it's easy to make fun. It's not necessarily the smartest thing to do. He is making fun of me. Yeah, and everybody <laughs> and all of us now. Yeah, and and the only so, but I would so I I'm I'm burned on altcoins, and it yeah. makes sense what Rob said that altcoins are kind of tied to the Bitcoin market. I only buy Bitcoin right now. Now it doesn't mean I wouldn't consider. I have some Ethereum, but I only buy Bitcoin on my regular purchases. And and and, and so and so if you buy Bitcoin and Tesla. Or, or Apple, or somebody accepts it, right? And, and as the adoption increases and increases and increases, and then the confidence level increases, and then the market, you know, what, what Rob talked about, then it's a very stable option. And, and for a while, I thought could guard against inflation because I was, I was deathly afraid of inflation for the U.S. dollar for a long time. And, you know, still worry a little bit, but obviously we're going we're I mean, to take happened. our hits. <laughs> you were, yeah. like, scared, and then it happened. It happened. <laughs> yeah. Because I think we all saw how much money was being put into it. It was inevitable, right? And so at the time, I thought, you know, crypto is a legitimate, potentially legitimate, you know, hedge against inflation. But it, it dropped at a similar pace, you know, that the dollar. And it should be. And I think eventually it could be. But it's not. I, the yeah, if, you, if, you guys are, if you guys are interested, this, this Greg Foss guy, like his, his whole thesis is exactly what you guys are talking about. I think it's, it taught me a lot. Um and what's crazy too that that this world that we live in and, and social media and being able to interact with some of the, the smartest minds in your field, right? Whether it's crypto or real estate or you know whatever field you're in, science, you, you get on Twitter and you follow those people that you know are the talking heads in your in your industry. And if you're posting good stuff or you're replying with with thoughtful comments that are insightful. Um, you know, your, your stuff can, can go viral if you're putting out good things out there. But what was interesting is my, my question. So this is at the Bitcoin Amsterdam is great boss is, is, uh, you know, heading like three different panels there a, a month or month and a half ago. And <clears throat> so I, I, they talk about when is, when does the decoupling happen with Bitcoin? When does Bitcoin, Bitcoin's performance separate from, uh, the, you know, the stock market? And because it's, you know, like I said, it's kind of a one-to-one direction-wise where it goes. And he said, uh, my, my cousin, his, his thesis is, well, he's like, the, the market cap would have to get a lot bigger. He, he's like, I, I think it would have to get to be like, you know, two, $2 trillion, $2.5 trillion before it actually decoupled from, from equity. So in real time, I, I sent a question to this Greg Foss guy. You know, here's our theory. Well, he replies in real time and says, gives a, this long explanation and says, yeah, I agree with your theory. So, like, in real time, this, this, this 
thesis that my my cousin had, uh, another Bitcoiner who's traded risk for 30 years, agreed with 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 our thought on this thing, which was kind of interesting. Um, but what what Greg Foss is his big theory is he's in trading risk. So he he's the type of guy like if Argentina or one of these countries defaults on a loan and they have to redo their loan with the IMF, he would sell their their debt on the open market like junk bonds and so he says so he's got like a next level understanding of the global financial system and he says that that uh, the, the global GDP has to grow uh, 12% per year just to pay for the interest on global debt which are the, the bonds right and you have about 400 trillion um, government provincial corporate all 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 global debt is about 400 trillion, and so the global the global economy has to grow 12 and a half percent per year just to pay for the interest on global debt. That's impossible. And so over the last right. two years, yeah, it's impossible, right? They call it the sovereign debt crisis or the global debt spiral. Um, last two years since COVID, the the growth uh, it's been like 1.4 percent GDP. So there's a huge delta between what's required and what's actual. And he says that what happens is the central bankers have to print money. They have to inject liquidity into the market to like basically to, to plug the gap, um, or solve, solve the, solve the equation. And so what that means is that there's, there's going to be money printing from now until infinity until, you know, until, it, you know, we move to a different system. Or, or something because you can't just keep printing money and you know society losing purchasing power of their dollar we're, we're having to work harder to maintain the same quality of life and then and then this and sorry, I'm skipping thoughts but this Jeff Booth guy price of tomorrow and they're actually buddies he says that what's happening to, to exacerbate this problem in society is technology the exponential growth of technology he says that there's going to be in the next 10 years, we're going to see a hundred years of growth because of, of the, the exponential, you know, efficiencies in technology. And so, you know, where 10 years ago you needed 1500 things in physical form. Now they're all software on your iPhone. You know, uh, 20 years ago, you'd spend 1999 on eight songs on a CD. Now 399 for unlimited music on iTunes. And he says that dematerialization has happened in every sector of the economy, and that should be having a deflationary effect on on currency. We should be gaining more time for our work energy because that's what technology does. That's why we love our, our iPhones and our, our software because it makes our lives easier. And so, but what's actually happening is the opposite. We're having to work harder to maintain the same quality of life. We want our assets, we want our real estate, we want our stock market to go up, we want our companies to, to, to grow and to go up, but yet um, we want our prices to go down. So he says those are kind of two poles that are pulling against each other that are, that are kind of exacerbating this and exposing what the central banks are doing. And so I thought that was actually really interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate your insight. Very smart, very uh, cued in to the different things happening in crypto. We'll post more of Rob's information in the show notes and the details. Uh, appreciate it. Have a happy Thanksgiving.
Appreciate it, guys. Okay. Pleasure. Thanks, Thanks Rob. Rob. See ya. We'll see ya. All right. Take care. Yeah, I think um, I think the the currency conversations are so interesting because when you talk about debt on a currency, a lot of my professors in college would say, well, it's not a big deal because we owe it to ourselves, or we owe it or we can just print more. Or we control so many factors. And, you know, there's a point that says, do we trust them and say it's not a big deal? Or do we think, yeah, my gut says it kind of sucks. Yeah. And so I've never heard that bunch of debt is good. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, they teach you debt's bad. That's bad. Well, not in our currency. It's not bad. I mean, that's okay <laughs> with our currency. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, cool. Thank you for the show notes and we're going. Thanks for listening to the Founders Podcast. Be sure to follow the host on Twitter. Search at Jord B. Hansen and at Brandon Minot to discuss more. Also, be sure to visit thefounderspod.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.